0: Good to have you back on Maximize Your Influence. Kurt Mortensen here, episode 252, as we take another deep dive in the world of persuasion, motivation, influence, self-persuasion, things you need to do to maximize your income, maximize your success, maximize your relationships, and maximize every aspect of your life. little housekeeping, of course. Uh, Appreciate your comments and feedback at Kurt, K-O-R-T, at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. Everything you need, including taking your persuasion IQ test, is at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. Now, this was an interesting week for me. I spent time at a secret government installation, and people follow me around, security checks, people not trusting me at first. I don't know what my background check shows. It probably doesn't help that I go to the Middle East quite a bit. Well, I don't know if I can name names, but it was in Atlanta, so if you want to figure it out, you probably could. We took a deep dive in the world of how do you influence without authority? How do you create that perfect persuasive presentation? And a lot of different departments wishing they had learned persuasion and influence earlier on. I love it at the end of three days when people say, why didn't I learn this in school? Do you know how much money I have lost? That is why I've spent so many years studying persuasion and influence because I felt the same way. So let's dive right into it and go into our blunder of the week, our friend Homer. Don't, don't, don't! This is at a, a food court restaurant. I think I've mentioned the word Döner before, if I'm saying it right, if you're of German descent. In Germany, there's one of these probably on every corner. Is a place where they sell Döners. And they are awesome. And they're really good. It's kind of a Turkish version with a little German flair of a hido. You know those lamb, I guess it'd be sandwiches with the pita bread. Anyway, this is 10 times better. It's called a Dooner, really good. One of my favorite things to eat in Germany when I do trainings out there. Well, a restaurant came to town, opened up a Dooner shop, and I was excited and it was awesome. It was really good. You know one of those places where they have the meat circulating in a circle, I guess we'd call it, and they cut the meat off fresh, hot for you. Well, that's how they did it. But then after a while, they started cutting back and started keeping the meat in a warmer, not having that experience of seeing the meat circulating. It's all about the experience. Then they start pulling it out of that little warmer, and even worse, they put it in a little Tupperware and weigh it. So A, now I'm missing the experience. B, it's coming out of a little warmer. C, they're weighing it. And what's worse, they put too much in. They start taking it away which screws with the human brain. You can't do that. It feels like I'm getting ripped off. Even when you buy chocolate by the pound or candy by the pound, if they're trained right, you should put half of it in, a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more to reach your pound level or whatever you're buying. Because if they put too much in and start taking it away, people feel violated. That's a bad subconscious trigger. They're obviously trained wrong and too concerned about the bottom line. And even worse, this messy sandwich They only gave one napkin because they were cutting back. So just saying, a couple lessons here. There's something about the experience, of why people come and do business with you or come to your shop or website. Cutting back might look good on the bottom line up front, but you're going to lose customers in the long run, especially if you scrimp in the wrong areas and never give something to somebody and start taking it away. Even though it's not officially theirs yet, they feel like it is. It could be chocolate, It could be any type of food or meat or anything you put on somebody's plate or they're expecting to have, it will backfire on you. So be careful with those lessons. Change it up if you're going down the wrong path and do not become the blunder of the week. So before we get into the geeky article of the week, let's get into a viewer email. Oh, boy! This is from Henry from North Dakota. Said, Kurt... Last couple of weeks, I've heard you talk about NLP, you know, Neuro Linguistic Programming. I have heard it is a load of. We're going to uh, censor that out because this is a family show. He goes on to say, everyone I talk to says it's not real. It's made up. Does it really work? What is your opinion? I value what you say, but I have heard that NLP is not real. It's made up and it's a bunch of, and you already know to fill in the blank there. ha. <laughs> Well, Henry, that is a great question. There's a lot of controversy around NLP. Again, that means neuro-linguistic programming. And hey, shout out to North Dakota. You need to come have me out do some training because North Dakota is the only state in the United States I haven't done a training in. I don't know why. Is there something in North Dakota you don't want me to see? (laughs) Is there nothing there? No offense. I don't know. You tell me. Let me know. But I need to get to North Dakota so I can cross off all 50 states that have had me do a training. Wow, NLP. I don't want to be offending people here, but the answer is yes. There's some good stuff in there that I've verified through science, and there's some stuff there I'm like, woo, that's pretty deep woo-woo. I don't think so. I think the greatest benefit of NLP is that it increases the confidence of the persuader. They act more influential. And the studies do show when you act more influential, you are more influential. So that does have that impact. And NLP slows down the influencer a little bit to read the person, understand the person, ask more questions. And as you know, I'm a big fan of that because when you ask the right questions, learn how to listen, adapt the presentation. They're gonna tell you everything you need to know to persuade and influence them. So I'm taking the middle road on this one and saying, yeah, a little bit of both. So a little bit of the, uh, uh, too much, woo-woo, don't think so. And some I'll talk about that has been proven with science. Now, for those you haven't heard about NLP before, again, neurolinguistic Linguistic Programming, it was developed by UC Santa Cruz Professor John Grinder and a graduate student named Richard Bandler. Now, for some reason, Gregory Bateson, who took the essential structures of Erkin's work and developed into NLP doesn't get mentioned very often. It's usually Bandler and Grindler. Not sure what happened there, but I'll give a shout out to Gregory Bateson for his help on NLP. But the basic premise is that one's thought patterns, beliefs, and attitudes can be used to pre-program actual experiences that are yet to happen. So NLP is very focused on how we think, what influences the way we think, how we structure what we think. Now people who believe in this science are encouraged to closely study, then model those individuals who do things well. What I mean by that is that you don't study about how they did it, just what were they thinking when they did it. And the best example I've heard is Michael Jordan, one of the greatest basketball players out there. You don't want a list of do's and don'ts or the drills. That's not what NLP is all about. Instead, so you want to find out how Michael Jordan perceives basketball in his mind. What are his beliefs and attitudes about basketball? When he makes a decision on the court, what is he thinking? That's the key. You could also say NLP is a way of understanding people's behavior patterns and then taking those patterns and influencing their behavior. Kind of a way of getting power over others. So I took a deep dive, tried to figure it out because I've heard both sides of NLP and it brought me to mindmotivations.com. There is an article there. This is the geeky article. And this article is about negative research on NLP. And I'm just kidding. I'm going to shoot down the middle here. I know some of you are big fans and some of you aren't. But let me tell you what I did find out. The Australian Academy of Hypnosis does not like or agree with NLP. They said that every scientific study and clinical trial conducted thus far has failed to find any evidence as to NLP's effectiveness or even its existence. And this is their opinion. That's their feedback. They also quote Dr. Heap. He's the secretary of the British Society of Experimental and Clinical Hypnosis. Takes more of a neutral ground, says, although the results have been mixed, the hypothesis that a person has a PRS, which is observed in the choice of words, has been found not to hold by the great majority of researchers. Now, let me explain PRS. That means primary representational system. That's PRS, meaning people see the world at mostly visual or auditory or kinesthetic. There's a few others, but those are the main three that if you could adapt to those, that you can be more persuasive. He's saying that there is no evidence that is true. And I don't know if there's evidence or not. I haven't found any on that. But I do know adapting to a person's style or word choice or representation of the world is helpful in the world of persuasion and influence. But some people take that to the extreme and don't add any other tools. Here's one titled NLP Nonsense, Dr. Sharpley says there's little research evidence supporting NLP, its usefulness as an effective counseling tool. That's in the Journal of Counseling Psychology. The United States National Research Council looked at 14 academic experts and said the studies failed to provide an empirical base to support NLP assumptions or effectiveness. So ouch if you're a big believer in NLP. Then Albert Ellis, who's the grandfather of cognitive behavioral therapy, said NLP is one of those things that should be avoided. It has dubious validity. Again, ouch. Dr. Von Bergen says that NLP has disappeared from clinical psychology and academic research. That's found in the Journal of Psychiatry. And then Professor Singer says NLP often associates itself with science in order to raise its own prestige. He calls it intellectually fraudulent. Again, ouch. And my goal is not to really rip on NLP. I'm just put it out there that it's very controversial. A lot of your scientists, psychiatrists say, no, hooey, not working, doesn't work. And I will agree. A lot of it has not been proven. Again, I do like the fact that it makes people feel more influential, that they're spending more time to adapt to the person, to customize their influence to the person. I've said it so many times is that Your default setting is you persuade how you like to be persuaded. And what NLP does for most people is they learn to persuade others how they want to be persuaded. Now let's talk about the science. Things that I've seen that have been proven by science. First one is embedded commands. We talked a little bit about that last week. Remember the archives can be found at influenceuniversity.com. Also the home of our intense advanced persuasion program that gives you weekly lessons to become more powerful in persuasion. So go back to last week when we talked about mind control. That's episode 251. Then there's episode 116 where we talked more about NLP. So as far as the science is concerned, embedded commands is an interesting one. Embedded commands are used to reinforce potential behavior. see them on advertising and on the internet. Basically, when you highlight a word, bold a word, italicize a word, or make it a little bigger, what that does is it bypasses the conscious mind and goes to the subconscious mind. And some studies show that there's a 10 to 20% bump in compliance when you're able to do that. When you see an infomercial and they say, by now you realize the embedded command is buy now, buy it right now, or have a Pepsi day, the embedded commands have a Pepsi. Or if I say, become really interested, take action now, become wealthy, read each word, follow my lead, are embedded commands. Now, if they don't like you or trust you, it's not going to help you out. But if you've lead them down the path of influence, that's something that could help you out. Thanks in advance. Embedded command. So that has some science behind it. Mirror and matching. We've talked about that on the show before. Also called isopraximics. Basically, you're accelerating what's going to happen anyway when you're talking to somebody. Mirroring their body language. Mirroring their energy mirroring the words they use not mimicking because that shows up on the radar that will hurt any type of persuasive attempt so when you can mirror things like language posture other body language gestures mood without seeming phony you can develop rapport it happens naturally anyway you're just speeding it up when you do it the right way studies do show that increases the bond the rapport you have with somebody is by mirroring matching them so that's one part of NLP that I can put the science behind another interesting one is anchors anchoring is a technique that captures feelings memories and emotions of certain events places or things the psychology behind the anchoring technique success lies in the use of elements from previous situations or circumstances to replay the experiences emotions and feelings in the mind okay what does that mean well basically an anchor could be anything that brings up a thought or feeling that reminds you of something you've previously experienced that could be positive or negative Probably the best example, Pavlov's dog heard the bell, anchoring started to salivate. So these anchors can be produced either internally or externally. And it doesn't have to happen over several years. It can be done in a single event. Phobias. When you see a snake, that could be an anchor. Public speaking fear could be an anchor. So these can happen after one single intense experience. Anchors could be smells, music, symbols. So a lot of people like to use these anchors in NLP to promote success, wealth and well-being. Say for example, if you're at a seminar and you're feeling successful, you're feeling wealthy, you're feeling in a good mindset, you're in the right mood, you might press down hard in the middle of your palm to anchor that feeling so next time you want to feel that, you could push there. But I do believe and I have seen there is some truth into that. So anchors is another an interesting aspect of NLP. Last week we talked about pacing and leading, I can get behind that one. So there are some techniques that have been proven I'm not going to say it's 100% watch out, but there are some things there that scientists really don't agree with. I'm shooting down the middle here. I'm taking a little bit of both sides here because that's what I've seen with the world of NLP. I've gone through the master practitioner courses. I've seen them. I understand them. But I go back to the point where I only teach things that I can back up with science. And another one I want to put on the radar is called metaprograms, which is habitual patterns commonly used by the individual in most situations. It's kind of your filter, how you see the world, how you sort things. It's part of your personality. NLPs identified over 50 metaprograms. I don't know if you need to know quite that many or if there's that many, but I know people have certain programs. And if you can adapt to their perception filters or what Carl Jung calls temperaments, then you are more persuasive. For example, some people are more motivated by inspiration and desperation. That's a meta program. Because desperation people are moving away from something. They tend to be full of fear. And they need to be motivated and influenced differently than someone in inspiration who's full of hope and passion and vision for the future. They like where they're going. They're moving towards something. No right or wrong. We just tend to be different. Some people tend to be more internal. Meaning, how does that make me feel? A gut check. They follow their instinct. All they need to know inside themselves that they've done a good job. It doesn't matter what other people think. Versus some people are all external. They want to know what the research has shown. What other people think. What does society want them to do? This could be about a problem, a situation, or a product. Different. Some people are specific or what they call generalities. Specific people need the detail, the exact amount. Specifically, where does this fit in? to the world, fill in the blank there, versus some people just like the big picture, the vision, and generalities, and an estimate is fine. Some people are same versus different. Same people always see similarities. How does that match? What are the patterns here? Versus different people, they want the opposite. How is this different? What are the discrepancies? These are the type of people that if you had six coins and five were tails, one were heads, the same people would say, yeah, they're all coins. The Different people don't, one's tails. And they tend to see differently. We all see the world in a different way. I mean, three people see an accident; you're gonna get three different stories. It's not that they're lying. We observe and feel the world in a different way. We have different meta programs, and we all absorb information and store information differently. Even simple things: are they more introverted or extroverted? Extroverts love to communicate. They're public people. They want face-to-face contact. They're gonna pop in. Introverts keep their feelings inside. They work solo. They love memos and emails. They're like, why you pop it in? <laughs> They're different. Some people are more logical. Some people are more emotional. The you know, logical people use their head, facts, statistics. What has past history shown? Versus emotional people use their heart. They're swayed with emotions. They like that intuition. And I might get in trouble for this one, but men and women think differently. Our brains wire differently. We could spend a whole show on our brains are different. They're wired differently. Men tend to use more simple language, they like space to work out their own problems. Women need more undivided attention. They're not the type of people that want solutions and need more eye contact, and many types need feelings validated and There's some crossover there, but bottom line, we see the world differently. There's different meta programs there, and I'm not going to spend the time to go through each meta program, but I am going to say NLP there are some things based on science that I've shared with you that I'm willing to teach you that you should use. I'm not bad mathing NLP, but I know with psychiatry and psychologists and a lot of academic researchers, there's a lot of negativity. Just throwing it out there so you know the facts about NLP or neurolinguistic programming. And I also categorize these in Maximum Influence under the law of expectations. That's one of the 12 laws of persuasion. Of course, you know, if you want the free book, pick up a little shipping and handling that's at lawsofinfluence.com. Thanks for being here today. Hit the like button. Tell your family, friends, and enemies. Rename your firstborn child after me. <laughs> okay, I'm kidding. But get the word out there. Let's crank up the number of subscribers for the podcast and on social media. We're also on Pinterest and Instagram at Max Influence. If you want to take a look at that to get some of the weekly updates that we're putting out there to get you more tools, let's get more tools, The more tools you have, the more persuasive you are, the more charismatic you become, the better you're able to influence people and then you can go out and persuade with power.